three, two, one, and we are live. Mr. Pradiman Agarwal, it's nice to see you again. It's been a while. Nice to see you, Ken. Thanks. Yes, nearly a year. Nearly a year, and uh, we'll be meeting each other soon. So that's yes. pretty awesome. Yeah. So you're moving to Canada, uh, September 12th, I believe. So I'll probably yeah. see you sometime soon. But for now, I, I've known you for a while. But for the viewers who haven't who haven't met you yet, tell us a little bit about yourself and something that you do. Uh, so yeah, I have been into education since the last nine years. Though that's surely not the stream I started with. I was an engineer by education, but then I just got a job into education, and I just continued on and on. It's been nine years. Uh, I primarily help students decide on their career path, and then accordingly help them choose the sort of universities that would help them achieve that career, and then help them with the sort of exams they would like to get into, and the education consultancy of how to apply to the schools. Because applying to the schools uh, is a very different task than applying to schools in India. Right. So yeah, I have been dealing with students across, and I started in Delhi, and then I was in Mumbai for three years. I was in Nepal for about six months, and I've been in Singapore for the last uh, four and a half years. You were in Nepal as well. Oh, I didn't know that, dude. <laughs> yeah, I was in Nepal for six months. Yeah, I was there during the earthquake time. Oh, really? I'm lucky to be alive. Because I was there for the second earthquake. That must have been really uh, scary. I saw, like, I saw oh, yeah. the pictures and stuff. I mean, it, it, it devastated quite a bit. It was crazy. It was seven point nine, and it was I think about fifty to fifty three seconds. Where crazy. were you when the earthquake? <laughs> we were in office. Oh really? So yeah. everything was like everything was just like completely shaking and stuff. You all like had to duck under the under the desk and stuff. No, 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 not the desk because uh, the earthquake was of a very high intensity, and because it was the second one, the first one had already shook up things. Okay. So uh, everyone was told not to hide under your desks, sort of a thing. Because if it was the first one, it would have helped, but because of the first one, everything's already not so solid. Right. So. Everyone is asked to just run in an open area, and everyone was. expecting right mm-hmm. so not that it was totally unexpected which the first one was i was uh, i was on the second floor and you know it was just a natural instinct survival instinct i wouldn't do that otherwise but i was jumping like four to five steps down at once yeah i was out of the building in 3 to 4 seconds <laughs> yeah, no yeah i did it all as well <laughs> yeah Yeah, you're like yeah, you're yeah. almost you're almost my height, so I can imagine you jumping down five steps at a time. Yeah, yeah. No, but if I were to do it consciously, maybe I would be a little hesitant. That you know, will I get my foot right or not? Yeah. Right. But yeah. this was so natural. Now, like just out of the building in three seconds or so. Jeez. And uh, then the whole office came out, and there was this open area of parking, and then everyone just naturally stuck together, back to back, looking around because there were all the buildings around. Mm-hmm. So we had to kind of survive. in the sense that you know oh if the building on your side's falling so you shout it out and whatever but it was Shit, crazy dude. yeah was i've crazy. never been in a situation like that but i don't ever want to be anyways After so you were 50 seconds it was crazy like like uh, everyone else was in a shock and i was laughing like maybe i was also in a shock but i was laughing. yeah 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 i guess it's the rush of adrenaline which you get right in that in that moment yeah so you were in nepal for like 6 months and after yeah. that he went back to delhi no for, uh, uh nepal was the time because i was working i was doing a lot of team building but uh, mm-hmm. i had a lot of time in hand at that time mm-hmm. so i proposed singapore to them so singapore center has been my brainchild and i proposed that you know it could be a good expansion because there is no international center that jambri has ever before right so and this is so, the training this is the training institute and Uh, you teach you all teach gmat i believe yes is there any other yes. exams which you guys uh, yeah teach? we teach the gmat the gre sat mm-hmm. ielts and toefl exam oh, okay so uh, all the big major ones yeah right especially the ones you know students looking to migrate to uh, us and mm-hmm. canada and uh, europe but uh, primarily you know jambri our bread and butter is uh, 
GMAT. Right, right. And like you were an engineer, so what made you like shift like completely and do 180 and go into into mentoring and tutoring and stuff? Is that something that you always want to do? No. <laughs> like honestly, when I when I was about to finish my education, uh, I had a list of things that I would want to be, you know, or where I would want to be and what kind of jobs I want to apply. And uh, teaching or education was nowhere in the list. Like mm-hmm. I didn't even rule it out, but it was not just there on the list. Uh, I did mechanical engineering. I was quite excited about that. And I wanted to be a design engineer. So during our days, of course, most of my time was heavily invested in projects. And uh, we do have a team patent on us as well. And we were a like, team yeah, patent? Yeah. So we did participate okay. at a national level for a auto making competition. And we have a team patent for steering, design, and suspension. Really? So, yeah, <laughs> I didn't know you had a patent as well. <laughs> you're you're multi talented, man. You go into all of these different fields and you do all these random things. <laughs> I never yeah, knew any of quite... it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we did that, and you know, I was surely excited to be a design engineer. Right. And uh, you know, by the time I graduated, I had three jobs. Uh, but you know how how the system works is we graduate in May, and mm-hmm. my earliest joining in the company was in December. And uh, I was like, I don't want to pick money from home for those five months. So I just uh, floated my resume, a young grad out of college. I just floated my resume on a job uh, job site. And I got a call from this institute and they're like, you know, we are hiring, uh, we are looking for a math teacher for so-and-so exam. And, you know, would you be interested and teach with us? And I clearly told them that I don't have a formal teaching experience, right? I... I think I can pull off maths, but not the teaching experience. I've done a few tuitions here and there, but you know, no, no formal teaching in an mm-hmm. institute and sort of stuff. And they're like, it's okay, you know, we can we, uh, we do a lot of training, so you can come over and write a test, and we'll see, we'll take it from there. Went over, wrote the test, everything was okay, and then before hiring, I was I was very clear with them that you know, I am here for just five months because I'm joining so and so company in December. And they were like, okay, fair enough. You know, thanks for letting us know. We can plan accordingly. So we started off. And uh, I was very honest of you, I must say. <laughs> Not many people do that. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> and very unlike an Indian company as well. You know, other company yeah. would have simply said, no, no, for five months, we aren't hiring you and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. They were very thankful that you let us know and we can plan accordingly. Right. So... We started off and I started to like to teach and uh, it was it was a never-ending process. I was teaching, I was doing content development, I did a bit of teacher training and I was like, five months, I'm loving this. And uh, in November, my farewell in the company is done, everyone's saying bye, my full and final is done and just a week before I'm supposed to actually leave, leave, I, uh, I, I, I wanted to stay. I was like, you know, but what's the scope of uh, growing in this company? Because this company, even though in the GMAT space, it's one of the biggest companies in Asia. Otherwise, it's not a Fortune 500 or a 100 company, right? Right. So, uh, and the company I was getting into is a Fortune 100 company. And, uh, you know, the question at that time was to be a tiny fish in a sea or to be a big fish in a small company. Mm-hmm. And what are the growth prospects? So I spoke to the company management and I asked them, you know, what are the com- what are the growth prospects and if I were to stay. So they said, you know, we can get you into management, but you'll have to go to Mumbai. And mm-hmm. inside a week, I was in Mumbai. So <laughs> yeah, I let go of my company. You just like after and you left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of confirmed them on the spot. The next day, my tickets right. were booked. I went home and I told my dad, I was like, uh, I'm going to Bombay. Like mm-hmm. for what? Like. I'm shifting there and I'm getting the role of management. And uh, when are you going? I'm going next week. So like, what happened to your other company? So everything was uh, not so clear. But then I was like, okay, I'll go for it. I'll take it because I was enjoying it. So that's mm-hmm. how I stayed in. And those five months is now nine years. <laughs> that's amazing though. I mean, you found the job that you really like, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something which yeah. you don't really find many people who 
who have a job which they are tr- truly passionate about. And I've said this before on one of the episodes with, with one of my guests earlier, that you need to be passionate about the job which you're in if you want to give a full 100%. You know, yeah. that, that being said, though, as someone who's very knowledgeable in, you know, in, the, in these, these different types of fields, really, especially in teaching and uh, career prospects as such, I know a lot of students. So where I work, I deal with a lot of students. Uh, I know a lot of students who want to get into the STEM fields, you know, science, technology, engineering, maths, business, things like that, purely because there's a, perce- there's a perception that you get paid more if you are in this field. Yeah. To, to those people, what would you have to say to, to something like that if you're moving into a job just purely to get paid well? Uh, I think there are there are a few more things at the background which we kind of don't see or maybe you know some of these students aren't, aren't able to articulate. Um, so I've seen these things and especially in India it happens a lot. It's, it's quite famous, especially with the Indian parent syndrome, right. which is, you know, they want their kids to do what they want to do. Yeah. Or what their neighbors are asking their kid to do, right? So that's a very common phenomenon in India. And uh, I think to some extent, I won't say it's completely wrong. Because when kids are young and uh, they don't have a clear direction of what they want to do, and if they don't have a clear direction of what they want to do, the parents have to step in. And the parents have to step in quite a few times. Parents don't have the clear idea as well what they should recommend. So they go for safer options. And of course, you know, the STEM fields are surely the safer options. You know, it's not just more about the money. I think it's more about the chance of succeeding is a lot higher. Right. See, if, if it was just about the money, become a sportsman or get into the movies, right? Of course, they but get the, paid but the ladder, more. But the ladder to the top and that was is a lot steeper as compared to getting into something like yeah. science or te- technology or something. Yeah, exactly. So I was, uh, when I was in Mumbai, I used to stay a lot of models and struggling actors. And, uh, you know, the kind of disparity in those fields is the ones at the top are earning crazy amounts of money, which we surely mm-hmm. get attracted by. Mm-hmm. Everyone below earns sort of zero money. Yeah. Because they're trying to be on camera and trying to hope that one day they will be recognized and then mm-hmm. they will start to get paid. Mm-hmm. So for most cases, they aren't paid anything or paid extremely less, right? So yeah. it's just that 5% people who get paid, the 95% people don't even get paid. Exactly. Right. <clears throat> Whereas in these fields, which are less risky fields, you'll get paid something. Mm. Even if you're bad at it. There's going to be a it, consistent income at least. Yes. So even if you're bad at it or average at it, you'll get paid less, but then you'll get paid. Mm. Right. At mm. least to take care of your living. So I think one aspect of this is uh, reducing the risk rather than the money. When it's about the money, I think uh, people need to be more careful of, uh, because if you really want to be earning a lot, if, if the money is the whole crux of the story, then you really have to like it. Because if you really like it is when you will excel in it and is when you will earn a lot more in the same field. So you have consultants which earn less and you have consultants which earn a lot more right you have uh, you have people in maths who earn less and people in math who earn a lot more people in it who earn a lot less and earn a lot more right it's the level of interest which gets them going a lot more right and it's okay to not know your interest sometimes right and it's just the money attracting you sometimes it's just fair now Yes, you know, some people do find their niche and do find their interest that, okay, I am passionate about so-and-so. It could be anything. It could be painting. It could be arts. It could be sports. It could be whatever, right? And if you are showing skills in that area, go ahead and take it. If you're interested in it because you like to resonate someone that you see in the television or your friend does it really well and you're excited about it and you feel you can also do it, but you've never participated in a competition and you feel I have never done this sort of a thing and I don't know I'll excel or not. And if you don't have something on paper, don't go with your instincts. It's a lot riskier. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a lot safer if you've been interested and you've been doing, even if you're doing it at a school level, Mm -hmm. right? If you've exhibited some talent towards it, right? 
just fascination doesn't help you know sometimes we end up confusing fascination with passion that is correct you have to you have to you have to kind of separate the two right right that is absolutely correct yeah so with young minds the fascination is a lot more than the passion and unfortunately they can't really separate it in their heads mm-hmm. but do you think that that fascination can turn into passion somewhere down the line i, I mean think if you think about it this way like the more you do something to get the better you get at it right whatever it might you be, have to football. have you have to have you know there are certain aspects to mm-hmm. learning there are things you know and there are things you can learn right right so not everything can be learned right and not everything you are born with in it right mm-hmm. so that's what i said you know you should be able to show some sort of talent at whatever mm-hmm. level right even if you if you are winning a class competition of painting great okay you know your painting is heading somewhere you have some innate skill which tells you that you at least understand colors or maybe the structure of figures if i draw a human face it doesn't look like a human face unfortunately <laughs> right? i can i can imagine it's the same with me right now yes i can learn to draw a human face and that's a skill that i can learn but can i really see it through and make changes to it and still make people realize that it's still a human face and that's what that's not very common you know i i was there in uh, fifi uh, two years back and they they had their small street wherein you know they have a lot of artists painting on the road itself where is this in fifi uh, thailand thailand okay yeah so it's it's very famous uh, set of islands mm-hmm. touristy islands so to say mm-hmm. and you know one of the very interesting talents they exhibit is i eventually found that the whole street was doing it but then mm-hmm. one very interesting thing was they use very random bright colors random bright colors like like bright yellow bright orange bright blue bright green and all of that you know i don't even know if there are specific names for these colors but they use all those random colors and create face or create a create an elephant or create a dolphin or and they don't have outlines and it would still look to you as a human face it would still look to you as an elephant right there is no outline there is no natural color of what that animal or that face should exhibit mm-hmm. uh they also draw a a dark skinned man and a white skinned man without using any of those colors and you can still tell the difference you can still tell the difference that this is supposed to be you know what a black guy would look like or this is supposed to be what a white guy would really like. well, that's pretty awesome okay. dude i wonder you how they do it can check it out on the internet as well yeah i should, a lot I of should check it out, out. Right? now that's talent now you can't teach that mm-hmm. right so to be able to excel you ha- really have to have some innate sense of the skill mm-hmm. right the rest of it you know you have the skill with learning you sharpen the skills you don't get one like right. like you know i can have a pencil i can sharpen the pencil if i don't have a pencil i can't sharpen a pen mhm correct so i have to be very clear with that but that yeah that is really interesting i never really thought about that so in in your mind you don't feel that fascination can actually turn into passion if you don't have a talent as such which you were born with See, so like if i so like it, so for for me yeah. right let's let's say hypothetically i would like i would want to get into ha- acting right i may be a terrible actor but i might be fascinated by it enough to go for acting classes and maybe yeah. those acting classes might do me some good and i might actually get realize that i can actually do some sort of acting maybe on some level maybe it's not you know oscar worthy yeah. acting maybe i can act in an advertisement or something like that but it is acting yeah. on some way shape or form so would you say that in that way like your, your fascination can translate into a passion or does that in your eyes not happen at all so there are areas sometimes you know we are fascinated by it and you know we do see oh this person was not doing this before and suddenly he became successful and we do mm-hmm. have a lot of stories around that as well mm-hmm. and uh, one aspect to this is that you know sometimes these people who are fascinated by it or didn't do this ever before and were really successful by it is that they had never tried it before right right they always had that pencil they never knew that 
right so it's absolutely possible that you don't have that and you know one very interesting aspect of uh, us education system us means the north america education system mm-hmm. is a lot of students do take a gap year after their 12th year of education yeah right? i noticed that and that's a very good thing and that's the time to really experiment with these things mm. you know that one year you pick out all the things you are fascinated by and do all those classes like if you have the money do a class for acting do a class for painting do a class for uh, java coding do a class for finance do a class for whatever you mm-hmm. feel that you would be interested in Mm-hmm. and then you'll start to see are you really getting interested in it or not mm-hmm. right now you can always say i have never acted but i would like to see if my acting skills are worth it right you go for the acting school right you try it out for 3 months 6 months if you're liking it if you're enjoying it you're getting some praise from the outside world you're getting the confidence in great continue you're mm-hmm. like okay everyone saying i'm a bad actor i feel i'm a bad actor my teacher feels i'm a bad actor i i have a sense of you know what a good acting is right and you are still like no no i will become a good actor <laughs> one fine day you are lying to yourself right 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 so there are things surely we have not experimented with mm-hmm. so that one year gives us the year for experimenting mm. and you should surely use that mm. i agree i agree uh, i see a lot of these students over here taking a gap year you know so you when you were talking about acting have you ever seen this movie called the room it's it's supposed to be the world's worst movie ever made so okay. i mean I it's a horrible it's 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 a really bad movie but it's so bad that it's actually good and the guy okay. who so the guy who made this movie his name is tommy wiseau and anyway so i i won't get into the story because it's just nonsense the story is absolute nonsense of that movie but it became like a cult hit so because it was so bad like these these you know these smaller theater chains they would play this movie in the theaters like during after hours like 10 30 11 and it would have a ton of people who would just go for this movie to laugh at it and it became such a huge phenomena that there was a james franco movie which was made after it it was called the disaster artist it came out a few years ago uh, okay. about two or three years ago and basically that that movie made the room the original movie much more famous than what it was and now this guy the, the original guy who made the room who's a terrible actor so he directed he wrote he did the the screenplay he did the visual photography everything was done by him and him alone he became <laughs> like ultra famous and like right now he's like he's selling merchandise from the room and stuff so i guess you know even if you don't have a talent and if you're really that bad at it Mm. and if you have i would say and if you have a good sense of humor that you can laugh at yourself or you yeah. can you can stand people laughing at you or realizing you know, that that you're not you can't really do anything i still think that there's a way you can make money out of it <laughs> just purely <laughs> from this guy but you know there's but i guess that's few and far between like you really have to be that bad so it's either like you know you're on one end of the spectrum where you're really good at what you do or you're yeah. really bad at what you do and and both ways you get famous for but <laughs> two entirely <laughs> different things but check out that yeah. movie dude it's an it's a it's an awesome movie it the, the it's not an awesome movie it's it's a bad movie but it's really funny to watch like i made nikki watch it yeah, like some time ago and she she was just like i can't believe this got made <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a wow. too the movie's too funny yeah but anyway so back back to the topic uh what i wanted to ask you was on the flip side though for someone who doesn't have a passion who doesn't know what they want to do in life yeah or for a career what would you what advice would you give someone like that i think one part of it is what i've already said uh, they should take the gap year experiment with a few things and then see what they like Right. right so quite a few times we are busy with life and we are busy with school work and we are busy with whatever mm-hmm. stuff we just don't get that time to experiment right so i mm-hmm. think it's a it's a good time to experiment take that your experiment the other thing is uh, there are a lot of exams i'm not sure uh, you are aware of but there are there are quite a few exams which are getting famous these are uh, psychology exams and you know you bring your kid your parents bring their kid they ask them to write a test and after the test they uh, a counselor sits with them and tells them their areas of interest or their areas of talent right and these are natural areas of talent which is which is not uh, is this like a personality test of some sort sort of yes okay 
like like personality test is surely towards personality how you right. behave among social work, social beings mm-hmm. but then it's it's towards what your inclination is in terms of subjects or studies that you'd like to go further for mm-hmm. right and could be studies of any sort like like painting to football to right engineering to whatever right mm-hmm. but they uh, these exams sort of highlight you know the areas that you are sort of more interested in than the mm-hmm. others So, what is this exam what is this exam called uh I, it's it's not at the top of my head but uh, maybe maybe i can search it and yeah, uh, yeah. share the video later no problem no problem and uh, interesting there are a lot of other companies which have come up with these exams but i think a safer bet would be go with the most known one mm-hmm. of course right maybe maybe i can share it to the and you can put it in the credits later yeah yeah no problem yeah. i'll do that but uh, yeah you know these exams are there but you don't you don't have clear credibility of these exams that they are absolutely true or not true surely there is gray area mm-hmm. uh so it's not one thing or the other do both and third surely mm-hmm. listen to your parents and seek mm-hmm. advice parents extended family and if you're like okay i think i'm interested in painting reach out to the uncle who paints okay i think i'm interested in engineering reach out to the uncle or the aunt who's in engineering speak with them understand what they do on a daily basis it could seem fascinating from the outside but maybe what they are actually doing is not so interesting anymore right. right you know i was a kid i used to see these buildings being made or these machines being made i was very fascinated by machines all the time but you know when you when you really get to the crux of it yes i got my hands dirty and made we made that car and everything but that's not what every engineer does we were just handful of engineers who did this right mm-hmm. most of my batchmates are still doing procurement they are sitting at a desk they buy stuff what the engineering department yeah. asks them that's not engineering right you don't have to be a graduate in uh, in btech in mechanical engineering to buy something from a vendor <laughs> to make it available for the rest of the department <laughs> that's what that's what a lot of people do Yeah. Right, you should really know if you're want if you're excited about engineering. What inside engineering, right? If you're excited about math, what about math? You want to learn math? You want to teach math? You want to research about math? What do you want to do, right? You paint. Now, what sort of painting? There are millions of sorts of or styles of painting, and people, you know, on YouTube still create new styles, you know, or music, or sports, or dance, or whatever. I th- I think. it's it's important the third aspect would be to go and uh, speak with people right and surely go out to the go out to parents uncles aunts neighbors whoever you can get first hand information right reading up on the internet is good but that's not enough right that should be your last resort a lot of people actually don't want to go and speak with people because they want to hide their vulnerability and they would rather read than read stuff online in their own corner in their own bedroom it's okay do read up but you know after reading up create questions right so from reading on the on, on the internet figure out your questions and based on the questions take take those questions to your uncles take those questions to aunts to your friends friends parents your parents and anyone anyone and everyone you can speak with mm right mm. Makes you sense. can start this activity in your eleventh or twelfth year of education, or if you're like really busy, then you can surely do it after right. your twelfth year of education. And But what are, what about it. for someone like so? I know personally, I know a lot of people. So I'm 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 thirty one years old. I know a lot of people who are close to my age or even my age who still don't know what they exactly want to do in life. Now, hmm. you would think for someone who's like above the age of twenty five. that they have like a fair idea as to what they want to do in life but a lot of people i know don't exactly have that really charted out and planned it, like 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 so some other people really for them really i'm sure it would be slightly different because they can't really take a gap year from work so mm-hmm. what would you, what advice would you have for them okay uh, so you know i surely deal with a lot of these students i surely deal with a lot of mm-hmm. students in the age group of 25 to 33 and mm-hmm. you know these are the people wanting to do an mba or a masters in a technical field and they are like i want to do an mba 
So I want to write a GMAT. And I said, okay, why do you want to do an MBA? And there is a pause. And after the pause, they come up with an answer. And, uh, you know, you get to know by the tone of the person that the person's clear in their head or is just sort of frustrated with their current job. Right. Or feels like they've hit the glass ceiling. So those could be different reasons why they have, uh, why they are looking forward for these changes, right, or mm-hmm. for their education. So a lot of times these people are not looking for further education. They are looking forward for some change in life. Because mm-hmm. maybe they got into this field by chance or by interest at that point in time. And, you know, mm-hmm. interest change. 33, yeah. yeah, 32, 33 happens to be the a very beautiful year. In the sense, so so, thirty-two to thirty-five is, is one of the most interesting set of years. In, in Why do you say that, dude? Life. I'm gonna be thirty-two next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll I'll give you I'll give you certain numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so the midlife crisis happens in this age group. No, really. That's, I thought it, I always yeah. thought it was gonna be like forty, forty-five around that time. No, so so the midlife crisis starts here. Yeah. Right. It maybe goes to a peak at 40 or whatever, but it starts in this uh, 32 happens, uh, 33 happens to be uh, the year for depression. The people with <laughs> depression, <for> <laughs> the average, average age of people depressed is 33. And that's, that's also, I feel somewhere linked to the midlife crisis because they don't know where they are headed. Mm-hmm. They know they are heading and they are succeeding and whatever, but quite a few times they don't know if they're headed in this direction, are they in the right direction or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, this also happens to be the year for divorce. So average highest years of divorce, the person's 20, 32 or 33. Knock so, on wood, that doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> so I've kind of, you know, I think I've, I've passed that number. So I think even though I'm not married or in a relationship, right. I think, uh, I, I, I've, I've successfully avoided divorce. <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> That's one way to put it, right? I've successfully avoided divorce. <laughs> right. So, yeah. you know, the midlife crisis starts from the aspect of, you know, a lot of times something that you had mentioned a lot earlier was, you know, people get into the STEM programs. And I said, some people also do it because their parents ask them to do it. Right. So mm-hmm. they get into these fields and because they're competitive and they're talented, they do succeed. They succeed for three years, five years, eight years, and it varies from person to person. Mm-hmm. And then at a point, they kind of stop. They're like, why am I doing this? Or you know, Even if I'm doing this, uh, I've hit a glass ceiling. What next? And uh, quite a few times, uh, the other thing is, you know, some people who are really successful and who lack sense of direction. There is a very interesting aspect I've seen is they can succeed in whatever they want to do and they end up getting two or three great opportunities. The problem is they don't know which one to choose. Mm. So that's that's another big reason why they're like, you know, should I do an MBA now? Or, uh, you know, I got, a, I got a promotion waiting for me next year. And should I wait for the promotion and then go for an MBA? Or, you know, I'm expected to have a family and, you know, new members in life and, you know, I would have more responsibilities. So should I delay my staff or should I do it now? So there are all sorts of people. And surely the advice varies with respect to what they want to do. You know, one of the aspects uh, is surely, you know, they are looking for money. You know, when they are going for MBA, they are surely attracted by money. That's, That's surely one of the big areas. And surely they are sometimes looking for a break. People, especially with 31, 32, 33 years of experience, they're surely looking for a break in most cases. And uh, that break comes in form of an MBA, right? Right. And I think that, that's the reason why I am doing this MBA. Right? Mm-hmm. I am doing this MBA because I want a break. Because in my organization, I think I've maxed out. Right. And uh, what's next for me is I want to take that gap year, which is my MBA. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but a lot of people I see, you know, they are, they are usually debating between I'm frustrated with my job and Mm -hmm. I want some way to get out of it. Right. But because I've spent so many years, it's not easy to have my skills transferable into something else. And hence I want to do an MBA. Mm -hmm. 
or at least hence i feel i want to do an mba right so the very interesting mean. number is of all the people who join any institute in the world only 25% people end up writing the exam oh really yes so 75% people don't even write the exam they they go off the track in phases uh, they're like oh they get overly busy with life or they find reasons not to do homework and mm-hmm. not to excel or maybe they just joined this because their friend was joining in right. and they're like okay i will also try it out so in the end there is just 25% people who write the exam and of mm-hmm. those only half the people go for these higher education eventually mm-hmm. so in terms of numbers surely there is there is a lot of number crunching here but uh, most people who really get into these fields and who really go for an mba and uh, have some sort of heading they they're kind of clear to begin with what they want to do after the mba so one of the things how you should decide is decide what you want to do first you should have some goal based on the goal you decide the universities and based on that you start doing your prep for whatever exam right. you want to do correct right a lot of people unfortunately do it the other way around they are like okay we'll write the exam and you know based on the score we'll see what universities we can get into and based on the university the university will decide our career correct right that's not the best way, right mm-hmm. so people who have a goal and people who even have an average goal they end up succeeding mm-hmm. rather than people who think they want to get into one of the top schools and because they don't have a goal they end up going nowhere it's one more thing i wanted to ask you though like in terms of the top schools like there like so for example like harvard like we were talking before this we we talking about like harvard and stuff when you take when you take a university like harvard which is or stanford even like which is like way up over there you know like in space and then you have yeah. another university which is also really good like ubc sort of school of business or university of victoria or university of alberta university of toronto one yeah. of those you know so compared comparatively like if i had to get an education at one of these schools versus like let's say a harvard does that really influence my career in the future or is it such that doesn't matter where i go as long as i'm getting the degree in hand uh it surely is a mix of two surely one aspect is talent mm-hmm. and skills you you can't take that away right you we have seen people graduating from average schools and being there on the top and people never graduating also being there on the top right like steve jobs for example yeah exactly mm-hmm. so so you have those sorts of people right but of course uh, we are not in that world anymore unfortunately so we are in the world of wherein you should have it in a certificate or a degree format someone who accredits you for your skills you can have those skills but if you don't have a stamp on the cv most likely you aren't getting a getting an interview right so surely in the modern world it's it's more and more important to have a degree but the mm-hmm. to answer your main question which is you know the top schools versus you know the good schools mm-hmm. right and one aspect is surely the cost that is involved like if i were mm-hmm. to go to a stanford or a harvard my mba fees plus living expenses and all the exchange programs i'm going to do is going to be 200000 dollars and above easily right mm-hmm. so okay even if i'm doing it properly 200000 dollars for sure right mm-hmm. and versus uh, you know like like uh, like one of the good schools in the us itself would with the scholarship you know most of the tier 2 schools give scholarships if you are a decent candidate you mm-hmm. you'll end up spending about anywhere from 60 to 80000 dollars right that's a huge gap right mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's a lot of difference in terms of uh, the kind of money i'm spending and you know one of the sure important criteria as we look at is returns on investment right mm-hmm. uh somewhere it is diluted the problem is returns on investment we only see it in terms of money and the foreseeable future right? Correct. which is usually 3 to 5 years post mba mm-hmm. so if you're looking at that surely you know the cheaper schools make a lot more sense than the than the one stanford harvard and what mm-hmm. right but uh you know the long term returns are a lot more higher of these stanford harvard watson because they are they are stamps for lifetime right mm. so you actually kind of see a separation so they're kind of going together till a point about 3 years 5 4 years 
in mm-hmm. most cases of course you know mm-hmm. there are there are other people but uh, in most cases they are going together but then they start to separate and these people continue to grow at the same rate uh, from the tier 2 schools or even tier 1 schools but these ones the stanford howard wharton people they now start to accelerate so you see these people growing exponentially fast and right. to the senior most positions on the planet Mm. not in a country senior most positions on the planet in 10 to 20 years of time so that's when you start to see the returns on investment of a stanford harvard wharton is is that is that i'm but i'm sure some of those some of that is influenced surely by the university that they are in but also it could be the talents of the individual as well yes yes mm-hmm. yes you you can't take that away right that's there for sure now mm-hmm. that's what i started with now this is excluding that yeah 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 people assuming uh, assuming two people with the same level of talent and same skills getting into the same mm-hmm. program one school versus the other you know that's mm-hmm. what the difference is right surely people with a lot more talent people with a lot more inclination people with a lot more clarity of goal mm-hmm. like i said you know the importance of goal is very important mm-hmm. we we can't we can't just uh, you know let go of that a lot of people get into the good schools and they don't have clarity of goal and they end up being nowhere but the what problem i is sorry continue well go, go ahead what i really wonder is that what makes harvard harvard like is it is it the teaching style is it the the backgrounds of the teachers involved is it is it the kind of students that they get there you know because from i i've i know one person who's graduated from harvard like just hmm. just one person and this guy yeah. was in my school when i was really young and he was a smart guy back then as well he, uh, he in school when i say school i mean between first to 10th grade he was a yeah. smart guy i wouldn't say incredibly you know smart as such but he was a decently smart guy would stand in the top 5 in class so he graduated from harvard and right now he's in a successful career i think he's in consulting or something like that at this point in time yeah basically the, like what is it about harvard or stanford that makes it stand out from the rest other than the perceived uh, notion that these schools have the top tier of education yeah uh, i think there are a few aspects not just mm-hmm. one or the other uh, it's a combination of one a huge brand name that they've built over years Mm-hmm. so because the kind of brand name they've built over the years there are a lot of interested companies or investors who mm-hmm. would be willing to invest in these people or in their ideas just because of the sheer brand name they've built for themselves right right and it's not happened last year or the last year or the last year it's happened over hundreds of years right so you know you kind of you know if i would invest my 100000 with someone you know it would be a safer bet to go with the idea of a harvard grad versus versus yeah i guess so sfu mm. grad right so right it's just like how you say toyota is a reliable car they even if they, yeah. yeah yeah i get what you're saying right so it's it's mm-hmm. it's a notion that they have developed over a period of years so it's mm-hmm. you are you are more likely to get an investment or you are more likely to get a senior job mm-hmm. that's one uh, i think it's more toward the investment than the job Uh, to the job it's kind of the same uh, the second aspect is because it's there are such top universities the competition of getting in is very high and the people who are eventually shortlisted are the smartest brains of the planet already mm-hmm. so you are spending about 2 years of your life with the smartest brains and you know the brain kind of excels in the level of competition you put in mm-hmm. right so you are having a chilled out life and you are having no competition whatsoever we are chilled as well right you put them into some sort of stress or uh, difficult situations or you know in situations with smarter people you are going to surely do a lot better and when you are competing with the smartest people on the planet then of course the competition is very very high the kind of learnings you get is very very different the opinions you get because all these people have their upbringing to bring to the classroom it's right. not just years of education right 
because the the shortlisting criteria is not education the shortlisting criteria for these schools is a holistic approach so the candidate must be whole and complete in all areas of life mm-hmm. so when you're looking at that you know you're looking at extremely talented people and multi talented people so the second aspect would be the kind of competition of the people you are dealing with across two years right and people in your class and the kind of opportunities you get within the program right those are surely the top notch as well so you 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 get your presidents to speak in these classrooms as guest lectures you know bill gates would come and deliver a yeah. guest lecture right so those people don't go to every university right you mm-hmm. don't get to interact with them or you don't get to hear their thoughts unless youtube right mm-hmm. i think the third aspect here uh, would be would be would be surely the the kind of education that they really provide you know harvard mm-hmm. is known to produce the maximum and the most sought out case studies right. almost all schools use case studies of harvard or iesc <clears throat> business school so these are the two biggest schools producing the case studies mm-hmm. so these schools also have a very sought out academic approach they they have a lot of nobel laureates they have the smartest teachers they have a lot of research going on and uh, a lot of case studies that happen so it's it's also the kind of education provided inside these programs right mm-hmm. you can have one nobel laureate in so and so school but then he is not teaching everyone right, right. in most cases he is teaching no one mm-hmm. right he is just doing he is just happy doing research right but these schools you know you surely have a lot more chance of interacting with these people you get into some really research, good research programs and become mm-hmm. a ra and you get to do a lot more uh, activities uh, seriously the, the quality is also higher right mm-hmm. in terms of jobs when you say okay i i am a consultant uh, right out of harvard versus i am a consultant right out of university of toronto maybe to begin with your salaries will be in a similar range Mm. if you are about the same age group same talent same similar years of experience background it's going to be about the same mm-hmm. but then 10 years down the line maybe you'll become a manager or a senior manager or maybe even a partner but all of that totally depends on the skill set and the talent we were talking about right 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 and the I'm, talent yes you can graduate from any school and be there Mm. I'm sure in, in in the nine years which you've been in this business, you must have met some people who've gotten into Harvard or Stanford. So, oh, yes. so would you say that these individuals who you've met, like, uh, like really stand out in comparison to the number of other individuals you would have met? Drastically different. Their whole right. thought process is very different. Now, mm-hmm. they see the same things from a very different eye. Mm-hmm. uh in most cases you know the shortlisting criteria of the schools is also they are looking for world leaders they are not looking for people searching for jobs right they are looking for leaders and that's why they end up being in places so when they are looking at a certain aspect they are looking at from a very very different perspective that one person perspective which is unique to them and it surely gets further sharpened in these schools so you know i i know a guy from a, from a harvard school i'll uh, i'll avoid the name for now but uh, he's a good friend and he he did his engineering from punjab and then he went to stanford for a masters in engineering and then after that he went for an mba from harvard Right. Oh, wow so he's been every he's been to the big he's ones been, the big ones yeah <laughs> yeah he's been yeah. he's been to both the big ones but then mm-hmm. when he started in bachelors he was in in a decent school in india right mm-hmm. but he's he, he's not coming from one of the iits which is the most well known sought out college in india right right but during his time there he did a project and he proposed it to the state government and they implemented it in the whole state really while he was uh, he was doing his engineering bachelor's of engineering right now that's that's a very interesting aspect now he's an extremely talented individual even though mm-hmm. he's not in one of the top schools he's an extremely talented individual mm-hmm. he ends up getting into he works for a few years he ends up getting into stanford he graduates from there works in a few places for a year or two and then ends up going 
for an MBA in Harvard. Mm-hmm. He was last time I knew, well, he was uh, he was working with SoftBank as one of the senior uh, people who look into investments in India in the energy sector. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of the decision maker of you know there is this new energy program and should we invest or not. that's the kind of role he was in and on a weekly basis he used to uh, on a monthly basis he was expected to fly to japan and have meetings with the presidents of softbank and the president of japan really because yes wow and big man you don't get into those positions otherwise right yeah yeah absolutely right? you know on a on a monthly basis meeting with the prime minister president of japan i'm not sure who's the governing body there you know yeah. varies from country to country but mm-hmm. then whoever but the government is highly invested with the soft bank in japan because mm-hmm. soft bank kinds of is the biggest thing that gets them the money right so they are highly invested so he used to have these monthly meetings the level of interaction is different it's it's worlds apart you and i can't believe that right we can't even get into those situations we don't even know you know if if i would get into a meeting like that i would get cold feet i wouldn't mm-hmm. even know what to talk Yeah yeah this guy does this on a regular basis and surely i don't know how much he was earning but he was surely earning a lot <laughs> and yet down to earth now i can have a one to one conversation with him mm-hmm. he won't he he would never make you feel that oh ah you're not even a masters you know don't even talk to me <laughs> you know your your annual salary maybe maybe my weekly salary <laughs> they don't come across like that right yeah they yeah. leaders and leaders are meant to be approachable even though mm-hmm. he's a friend and he he could surely not talk to me now he can he can simply say hey i'm busy right or he can mm-hmm. just ignore my message right but he happily replies right and i mm-hmm. i message to him as well mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting that way so one aspect is surely the human behavior right the other aspect is despite all the success he had he quit his job really he is not much older he is just 35 wow doing all of this he is just 35 he quit his job wait a minute so he's 35 at this point in time like at this point in time maybe 36 but yeah so when he actually got into this job he must have been what 31 30 maybe younger yeah jeez man that's that that is something like you must be like elon musk level of intelligence exactly so mm-hmm. you know the kind of students really get into these programs are right. these kind of people right and mm-hmm. because you get to interact with these people a lot mm-hmm. more often on a daily basis mm-hmm. and hanging out with them you mm-hmm. kind of you kind of understand a lot more things the wavelength exactly and mm-hmm. and the experiences right now if mm-hmm. if my father is is a big shot and he goes around sitting with the bureaucrats and you know he takes me along sometimes i listen Mm-hmm. right i know how to behave mm-hmm. in a in a tea party there right right but if not then I, i i would have no idea you know what kind of jokes they crack you know how mm-hmm. do they smile or, you know how would they behave right how would they talk mm-hmm. do they talk casually do they talk passively aggressively do they are they really smart do they come across humble you know there are so many aspects of human life but you get that lot more exposure in these schools and despite that sort of a job he was having he quit that and he's like uh, i am working on a few ideas and i was like okay surely you know you're a harvard grad but uh, what kind of ideas you know why would you let go of such a stable job with so much maybe money, he's making right? flying cars or something <laughs> yeah maybe in another five years you can just retire and do nothing right yeah yeah exactly yeah and still be a millionaire maybe but uh, mm-hmm. he's like you know i've i've resigned and now i have opened my own venture capitalist firm and i have gotten so many millions of dollars from investors to invest into businesses wow so he's opened up his own vc for energy amazing which which you know you wouldn't get you wouldn't get a regular guy doing that right and regular yeah. guy you know would be like you know what are the safer options you know what are the safer things i can do mm-hmm. and uh, you know getting into the stem programs they are going to pay mm-hmm. us more the the pay us more is what the pay us more is what 60000 80000 70000 yeah yeah right 
what you're talking about with these programs is different, right? You're talking about millions and you're talking about ideas. You're talking about the kind of contacts and the network you get, right? I'd like to get to the fourth aspect of the top business schools, the, the Stanford's, Harvard's, Waters, mm-hmm. the kind of alumni network you get. Oh, I'm you sure can't that just is go beneficial. And, that's, that's impossible to get. You know, they won't entertain your idea otherwise. Mm. If you're a Harvard alum already and then you reach out to them, you know, I have so-and-so idea, you know, why don't we catch up a coffee? He'll try to catch up for coffee. If you're like, I am from so-and-so place and I feel I have a good idea, right? Maybe he won't make time, mm. right? So the kind of network you get is is crazy as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The networking, especially over here in, in North America, is huge. Absolutely yeah. huge. Like for most people who want to get jobs or want to get something done in terms of a career or business, it's always done through networking. Always. Yeah. Nine out of ten times. All my jobs yeah. so far that I've had in Canada have all been through networking as well. And this yeah. is just someone like yeah. me, an average guy. So, yeah. Yeah. But nowhere in the sense, you know, I would like to say, I would like to add here that in nowhere, in no sense, I'm saying that it's better to get into the top schools and not so good to get into the other schools. Mm. I would surely say, identify your goal. If you want to be a world leader, great. If you want to be an average guy, retire by the age of 50, 55, naturally retire, enjoy your family life. Cool. Mm-hmm. Get into one of the other schools, identify what your goal is. Mm-hmm. Your goal matters a lot, right? Not everyone wants to be leader, right? Because because when you are there, you know, maybe you were, you're compromising your personal life, right? So I think it's very important to identify what your personal goal is, what are your interests, and based on that, you step forward. Uh, what I was also wondering before I let you go, there must be so like I know but well, I know a few people who would prefer to get into let's say Harvard or Stanford but but it's way out of their reach because clearly it's a very competitive environment now yeah. to to be in one of those universities you have to be the cream of the crop you have to be super highly intelligent are there any tests or exercises as such that or that you know of that one can do to to let's say to increase their IQ or intelligence level as such, or is it just that you're born with it and that's the way it is? Uh, it's not just born with it and just the way it is. Uh, I think it's also to do with how your education system worked. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have taught students from nearly more than 20 countries by now. Mm-hmm. I sort of now understand how an Indian brain works because the kind of curriculum they follow, I follow mm-hmm. the same. I do understand people from Singapore, how their curriculum works and how they are trained to think of the same question and how people from the rest of Southeast Asia and then people from Europe and I've had students from Canada and US as well. Mm-hmm. So people think very differently. It's not just based on the innate skills. It's also their whole upbringing and the whole mm-hmm. years of it, upbringing years of mm-hmm. education that they had. Mm-hmm. One of the areas or one of the ways to really see you are on track or not is you know you can get into certain psychological programs Mm -hmm. it's important to understand how you understand might be a bit of mouthful but yeah it's important to understand how you understand how you understand basically how you perceive things yes you have to be mindful of that and a lot of times Mm -hmm. we perceive things and we kind of treat them as true Mm -hmm. no theory or no understanding is true you have to just be conscious of your theory is what style of theory now, mm-hmm. don't call it it's closer to the truth or away from the truth and whatever right mm-hmm. your perception of truth and my perception of truth would be very different so you don't right but uh, if we are arguing about it surely we are not conscious about it but if we are more mindful of understanding each other's thought process or each other's story of truth mm-hmm. is when you are being more mindful is when you are being more attentive to your thoughts mm-hmm. right uh, in terms of learning gmat is a great examination it's not only you know a lot of people take it from a uh, perspective of as an entrance test to get into one of the top schools mm-hmm. but i've been teaching this for over nine years and i know there are students who get a 680 and stay at 680 never move mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then there are people who are at a 600, go to a 750 inside two months. Really? Right. Yes. Now, these are the people, you know, people who really get to this are the ones who are willing to understand the thought process and who are willing to not characterize their version of truth as the correct version of truth. Right. So it's basically they put their own biases aside to understand something different. Okay. I get what you're saying. Yes. So GMAT is not an entrance exam through math or English. They are mm-hmm. not testing math and English. Through math and English, they are testing a person's psyche. They This is a psychometric test. Mm-hmm. So it is very, very important to understand that it's a psychometric test, not a test of math and English. I can give you all the formula. You can have an open book test and still not get anywhere. Right. So in terms of learning, I think, I think GMAT is more to help you gauge where you are. But in terms of learning is the whole process you go through. Right. Right. Uh, but I think on a, on a regular basis, on a daily basis, just your daily interactions of how you're presenting an argument and how you're receiving an argument, being mindful of what you used, you know, even small aspects, you know, hey, I should get married. Why should I get married? Mm. Like, can you strengthen this argument? Can you weaken this argument? Can you give me assumptions around this argument? Mm-hmm. Right. You can always strengthen this. No, this is the right age to get married. People usually get married in the age group of this and this. So you should get married. You can right. present an argument saying, uh, you know, by the time you'll have your family and your kid grows to a certain level of starting to earn, you would be in an age to retire. If you delay it any further, then it's going to be difficult in terms of finances, mm-hmm. right? Or you need someone to take care of your parents, you know, the grandparents, so to say. Right. You can have multiple reasons why you should do it. Right? Now, if you're saying these things, you should understand that these are all opinions that you're presenting, not facts, not uh, not a matter of life and death. Right. So they are not black and white. So till the time it's not black and white, everything in the middle is an opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to be mindful. And if you're like, OK, cool, let's let's understand that these are not truths. So a lot of people consider them as truth. But another person would, if you are able to see that they are not truth, it's just a generally accepted opinion. Got it. Then you are in a better position. Makes sense. Makes if, sense. You're, if you're changing your thought process that way to any, any argument, of course, this was a very random argument that I'm dealing with these days, but then, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> that's okay dude but then yeah but then yeah it's it's important that we we understand the difference between the truth and the idea of truth so right because everyone has their that, own mm, everyone has their own perception of what the truth is but it's just really the way your experiences have wired you to think yes. as opposed to you thinking objectively it's more subjective as opposed to objective i would say yeah right yeah, because I know for a fact that, uh, you know, it, it's hard for someone to, you know, we look at, we look at a college or university, like some like Harvard or Stanford and be like, that's quite unattainable for me because I'm clearly not on that sort of intelligence level. But hmm. at the same time, you, would, you know, I would, I would like to be at that intelligence level, right? So for us, for someone, it's hard to understand what can we do to really get to that particular intelligence level. So. Right. Hmm. That's all yeah. I wanted to. Unfortunately, you know, it's not so easy. It's it's mm-hmm. it's the talent. It's the whole upbringing. It's the school right. you went to. It's the people you interacted with. Mm-hmm. And it's also it's, probably it's, what you were born with. Your innate, yeah. you know, your yeah, yeah, your biology of your body, how it is, you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything. Cool. Awesome. Well, I won't yes. keep you much longer. It's been a, it's been mm. a little more than an hour, so I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me on this. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's, my it's pleasure. kind of my first experience on the podcast, right? I've had interviews, but not a podcast. This is yeah. this is more interactive and fun. Yeah, I I prefer that <laughs> instead of it being just like a series of interview like questions, really. But thank you. You know, you, you gave me a lot of good insight, and I'm sure like the viewers who watch this will have had good insight by the end of. Uh, by the end of this video itself so thank you for that uh is there any do you have any contact information that i can leave in this video if someone wants to reach out to you for mentorship opportunities as such 
Oh, sure. Uh, so I have my email ID, uh, pradumanagarwal08 at gmail.com. So I have right. spell that out. P-R-A-D-U-M-A-N-A-G-G-A-R-W-A-L-0-8 at gmail.com. So I'll also, so I'll also link it down. I'll also link yeah. it down. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. someone Absolutely. can reach out to you if they have any questions or such. Any, do, any other contact information as such or that's it? Uh, for now, we'll keep it to the email. Cool. Right? Uh, we can take it. <laughs> no phone there. number yet. <laughs> no, no phone, phone number, number yet. yet. No phone. No Instagram. Because I, I maybe I can share my Canadian number once and then. No, 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 no. About no, two weeks. Okay. <laughs> no. It's okay. I'm not that famous anyways. It doesn't matter. Without anyone's gonna really, you know, reach uh, out. But, you are on the path if, to be famous. Oh, thank you, man. I like how you have faith in me. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's enjoyable to have these discussions, and you know, for someone of your caliber and your level of fashion and understanding of careers and education, I, I I found this particularly insightful. I think the viewers would definitely find this insightful as well. So once again, thank you so much for coming on. And as always, you're more than welcome to come on the show anytime. Maybe now you're going to be in Canada, so you can come on and we can hang out side by side and talk as well. That would be awesome. That way I can get a better video quality as well (laughs) because I won't be shooting (laughs) from my stupid webcam. (laughs) All right. Cool. Awesome, man. Sure. All right. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having me. It's my pleasure. It was great chatting up. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Thanks. Yeah. Bye.